welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, your resource for high-yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre-med through residency and the boards. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Um, Welcome to our webinar today. My name is Sana, and I'm going to be one of your co-hosts this evening. Our webinar today is about rank lists and preparing for the SOAP. Um, So I assume that most of you are in the application process or thinking about the application process for next year. So hopefully we can give you some good advice about what this part of the, um, the match process looks like. So to introduce myself, my name is Sana. I'm a PGY2 radiology resident at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and I've been with MST for four years now, and um, I'm excited to talk to you guys all today. And I'll let my co-host introduce herself as well. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I am a PGY3 in internal medicine at Columbia uh, and soon to be cardiology fellow at UT Southwestern. Um, And I've been at MST for, I think, about four years, too. And I'm really excited to be here with you guys tonight. So just to sort of let you know what our plan is for tonight, we're going to be talking on a couple of quick um, topics about rank list, SOAP, and how all of this works. So we're going to be getting a little bit granular about what match week actually looks like and what the day-by-day, hour-by-hour in some cases, breakdown of match week is like and what sort of your plan is if you don't match and how the SOAP works. It's a little bit of a black box and um, I know that I didn't know much about it before I was starting the application process, so hopefully we can shed some light um, for all of you. So Sarah, do you want to get us started with the application timeline? Sure. So just to review some dates to make sure you've got them all on your calendar, you can start ranking your programs as of February 1st. And just so you know, you can change your order as many times as you want. You just want to make sure you certify it every time you change the order. Um, The final list deadline will be March 3rd at 9 p.m. and it will lock. And so you want to make sure your list is certified before that 9 p.m. deadline to be entered into the match. Then March 15th is the beginning of match week and you will be emailed that day about whether or not you matched, not necessarily where you matched. And then on March 18th, between 15th and 18th is the SOAP. The 18th SOAP ends. um, And then March 19th at... 1 p.m., you will find out exactly where you matched. And uh, so there are a few changes this year with COVID, the most of which is that the, so the rank list certification process has been delayed. So we, you have now until 9 p.m. on March 3rd to certify your rank list. So you have a little bit of a delay compared to prior years. And that's reflected in the fact that a lot of places are interviewing later in the process, January, February. And additionally, um, one thing that's important to note is that the SOAP will have four rounds of offers. Typically, there are three, and we'll, again, we'll go through what each round of offers means and what that process looks like, but there will be four of them. And um, the ECFMG has five alternate pathways now for IMGs to be certified. So a couple of changes, all due to COVID, but hopefully changes that will benefit you and um, allow you to match in the best possible way. Okay, so how does ranking work? I mentioned the March 3rd deadline. So just the general idea of how do you make your rank list? I think we get a lot of questions every year about how to game the system to match at a certain place. And really, you should make the list based on where you want to go and what's most important to you. 
So there are lots of different factors and for each person it's gonna be a little bit different, but thinking about where you wanna live, how you felt about a program during the interview day, some of the features of the program, you know, talk to your partners, your friends, um, other people who have interviewed there, or if you know someone who's currently at that program, it's another great way to help you make your list. And then of course, for our people who are doing a couples match, it's a little bit more complicated where you have to make your paired matches and kind of decide what's most important to you as a couple. Um, what are some of the most important things that you thought about Sana when you were making your list? Yeah, so I think location was number one for me. Um, I was a little bit constrained um, in terms of where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the Northeast. I ideally wanted to be in Boston. So location was number one. Of course, you know, academic sort of um, the caliber of the program. So I wanted to go somewhere where I would become a really excellent clinician. Um, so that was a big part of the um, factor. And then I thought about things like moonlighting, what moonlighting opportunities there were, um, things like what sort of their flexibility was in terms of how they um, allowed you to deal with, you know, if something happens in your life, how they sort of adapt. And a lot of it was just the vibe, the vibe of how I felt like the residents were, if I felt like I got along with the people. So those were sort of the top couple in order of what I was thinking about. What about you, Sarah? I know you recently went through this again with fellowship. So what were you sort of thinking? Yeah. About? So I just did the fellowship match and I think vibe is number one. Yeah. Um, both with the other fellows, were they people that I really wanted to work with? And then the faculty, whether there were people who were doing cool projects or research in areas that I was interested in um, and just I don't know whether it seemed like everyone really enjoyed their jobs there. So I think that was kind of the most important thing to me. And then I was not uh, geographically limited. So it was sort of an adventure to figure out where would it be fun to go live somewhere new. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so now we wanted to get a little bit into preparing for the soap itself and what that entails, what that looks like. So we'll start by sort of going through this. So on Friday, which is, so Monday is March 15th, right? And so 15, 14, 13, 12. <laughs> so on March 12th, that Friday, you'll get an email saying if you're eligible for the soap, which means very, very little. So it doesn't mean that you're going to need to soap. It doesn't mean that you are starting the soap now. It doesn't mean anything except that you are eligible if you don't match to be in the soap. Then the weekend, everybody's freaking out. And then on Monday at 11 a.m., you'll get an email. And that will either say you have matched into a program or you have not matched into a program. And that gets a little more complicated um, in the case of people who are applying, for example, into preliminary and categorical years, which we'll touch a little bit on, but that will be specified as well in that email. For example, if you're applying into dermatology and you matched into a derm program, but not a preliminary program, they will tell you that you matched into a Durham program, but not preliminary. They won't tell you which one, but they will tell you that you matched. Um, so they, they will give you enough information to sort of take the next steps from there. And it sounds, I saw a question in the box. Someone was asking where exactly this ranking is happening. I just wanted to clarify that we are doing all of the ranking in the NRMP website, not the ERAS website. So that will be where you're getting all of your information. And that's also where you're going to log into for match week. If you're entering the soap is the NRMP R3 system or the NRMP website. So if you get the email at 11 a.m. saying you don't match, 
you can then log into the system and there will be a list of programs that were unfilled in all of the available specialties. You can apply up to 45 programs. Um, everyone's given exactly that number. Um, and there's really no downside to applying to the maximum. You should apply to anything that you could live with matching into. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is where it's a little bit more complicated. If you're someone who matched into a prelim but not an advanced program, you can only apply to advanced programs and vice versa. If you matched into dermatology but not prelim, you can only apply to 45 prelim programs. If you did not match at all, then you can do a mix of prelim, categorical, advanced programs. Anything perfect. else you would add, Sana? No, I, I think that's perfect. Really, the big thing is they will they will let you know exactly what you need to apply to. They will give you enough information. And another thing I'll add is, for example, if you have a couples match situation, and um, I've had a few people have this experience where if one partner in the couple matches and one does not match, they will give you the general geography of um, where the couple matched to give you some sort of um, some sort of say in once you're when you're making that soap decision as well. So after you apply to the soap, there are a couple of things that happen. So Monday at 3 p.m. So again, this is all happening in a pretty quick time span. So Monday at 11 a.m. is when you get that email. And at 3 p.m., programs are allowed to start contacting applicants. And this can be via, via phone, via email. So sort of have all of those things ready and on loud for um, that time period. And then interviews are based on uh, the programs. And so, or, so the programs get to choose sort of who they um, decide to interview. And you cannot contact the programs. The programs have to be the ones to reach out to you. Your sort of contact with them is just your application and they'll sort of let you know if they're interested in um, getting in touch with you. And then there are very, very strict guidelines about what is a SOAP violation and what is not. So just you know, talk to the, talk to the deans at your school or your um, residency advisors just to make sure that you're being you're doing the right things as far as um, contacting in the appropriate ways and not not getting into any situations that could get complicated. Each program will decide differently exactly how they're going to go about deciding amongst applicants. Some may do a Zoom format interview. It may be on the phone. It may, you know, be via email. Whatever that equivalent of interacting with you, um, programs will make their rank list in this stage, you don't rank anything. Um, you just wait until you enter the first round of the SOAP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how the SOAP works is there are four quote unquote rounds. And um, so each of them lasts for two hours. So what that means is during a round of the SOAP. So the first round, for example, starts Wednesday at noon. So between Monday at 3 p.m. and Wednesday at noon is when you're talking to programs. Programs will reach out to you. You do these interviews, the majority of which happen on Tuesday, right? And then they, they will make their list about who they, who they choose to rank where. Wednesday at noon, they create their rank list, and then they will give, you, give offers to the top power in sort of order of their rank list. So the first will be Wednesday at noon. And so at that point, you will either, you will receive an offer or you won't receive an offer. And you have two hours to accept 
or reject that offer. So it's it's a very sort of quick process and abbreviated, um, but it's it's not a match per se. It's more of a you get an offer and you can either choose to accept or reject it based on um, based on your interest. And um, you can either accept it or reject it, or it expires. And then once it's gone, it's sort of gone, and they move on to the next person on their list. And you sort of you have to hope and wait for some some someone else to have um have an offer prepared in the, one of the next rounds. So as we mentioned before, there were previously three rounds of soap, and this year there are four. So there will be two on Wednesday and two on Thursday, and um, sort of similar structure: two hours, you get an offer, and then it sort of goes from there. Anything to add to that, Sarah? Uh, I would just clarify that you can, in a given round, get more than one offer. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so if in round two, you get two offers, you can choose to accept one and reject the other, or you can reject both. Um, so that can happen. But um, yeah, I think the rest of it is just how you described. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So then you get an offer. If you accept you're finished. You have now matched into a program. Um, and just like I was saying, you can get more than one per round, but you can only accept one. Um, if you reject or let it expire, you enter the next round and wait for another spot. Um, and for each round, more and more spots are going to fill. So there'll be fewer and fewer spots, um, giving offers. So then when you get to the end of the fourth round, um, Thursday at 12 noon, any open spots will then be updated, um, and they will be able to be filled outside of the match. So those are for you to contact, um, outside of the NRMP website to see if there are any opportunities for you to match into those programs. Mm -hmm. Um, and they could be places that you did not use as your 45 applications during the initial part of the SOAP. Right. Um, I would say that if, you are entering the SOAP, especially this year with a high number of applications. If you get an offer, unless it is someplace that you would rather not match than go, you should accept early on because there'll be fewer and fewer offers depending on how far, how many rounds you go through. Yeah. I really want to very strongly echo that. Um, if you get an offer round one, if you can live with it, take it. Like it's, this is not a situation where I think it would be helpful to sort of hold out and wait for something better. Um, because this is, you know, it's a very stressful process and spots are less and less in each round. So that earlier in the process that you can, um, get it done, if you're able to sort of be happy with it, I would highly recommend taking the, taking the offer. All right. And so Friday of match week um, for you will be pretty similar, except in your case, you'll actually know where you're going ahead of time uh, if you go through the SOAP process and successfully um, get an offer and accept the offer. So at noon, the same match day ceremony, I mean, assuming that A, we're able to have them post-COVID and uh, B, what your medical school does, um, the normal match day things will take place. And then at 1 p.m. on uh, on the Friday, you'll get the email saying, uh, saying where you're going from the NRMP. Okay. So some questions, um, that we've heard from people, um, what recommendations do you have for finding open positions post soap? So the NRMP website will have an updated list of unfilled positions at the end of the soap. Um, and then at that point, it's kind of up to you to find 
you know, to contact program directors independently outside of the SOAP um, and go from there. Later on in the cycle, there's always the possibility that people don't accept their offers or that people withdraw from residency. So if you are unable to obtain a position, you can keep your ear out for those if you have connections, but it's very hard to, I think, find positions that way. Yeah. And so partially matched. So this is a question we get all the time. And um, the big thing for this is that partially matched is sort of what we were talking about before about matching to a prelim position, but not a categorical or vice versa. And so um, the big thing that we recommend um, about that is just sort of, you know, basing off your specialty decisions, you can make your um, decision for where you, what you want to do during the SOAP. So another question we get is if you matched into a prelim position during 2020, can I apply to a categorical position in 2021 and start with PGY2? So it depends on the program. So most programs, so if you are applying into a categorical, for example, if you're applying into a categorical general surgery program and the um, what you match into is a prelim general surgery program, but you want to be a general surgeon, that's sort of your, that's the trajectory you want to go on. Then in general, you will most, most programs that I've heard of, and Sarah, you can sort of correct me if you've heard otherwise, most programs will have you sort of apply again later and restart as a PGY-1 again that next year. Um, for the SOAP, if, they ha if there are categorical positions out there, then you can certainly apply for categorical general surgery positions during that SOAP process. They'll let you know if you just matched into a prelim program. Um, so you have that option. And then what happens if you match in an advanced program, but don't match into a prelim position? So same thing. The SOAP, actually, there are several um, programs, mostly general surgery prelim years, who don't even interview and do their entire selection process completely based on the SOAP. Um, so there are always prelim spots available in the SOAP. Um, but again, it's sort of that same SOAP process that we previously described um, for prelim years. Anything to add on that, Sarah? Yeah, I think the only opportunity to enter as a PGY2 would be is if you're doing a specialty that requires a prelim position. Yeah. Yes. So if you're applying into dermatology and you only match in prelim, you then can try to match into a categorical dermatology and start as a PGY2 the next year. But that's only for those specific specialties that require a prelim separate program. Right, right. Okay, so um, in terms of how we can help, Sana and I both have worked with lots of people, both through the SOAP and the match and beyond. Um, so we can, at this point, help you with your rank list. We can help you navigate the SOAP during SOAP week if you think you might have to enter it or you find out that you need to enter the SOAP. Um, so last year, we had a lot of really great matches at all the places listed below. And if you need help with anything along the way, you can contact us. Perfect. So with that, we will um, start taking your questions. One that I've seen sort of coming up a lot is how to choose what programs to apply to. And can you apply to programs that you already applied to? And can you apply to programs that you applied to but didn't get an interview at, et cetera, et cetera? And so what I'll generally say is if you interviewed at a program, and they have unmatched spots, what that tells you is that they actually didn't rank you. And so they probably will not offer you a spot in, um, in the SOAP process. So 
just sort of using, using just, um, using your logic in terms of what makes the most sense as far as high yield, um, interviews. You can apply to places that you applied to during ERAS or during the actual, um, process in September. You can apply to programs that you applied to before. You can apply to programs that you didn't apply to before. You can apply absolutely anywhere. You can apply in specialties you didn't apply to before. Um, so the SOAP is sort of, you can apply to anything, anywhere. Um, but I would caution you to sort of think about if these people have seen your application before already, and at that point they felt strongly enough that they would, they think that they could rather not have you ranked, then, you know, just think about what what sort of position you're in before you send your application to places that you've already applied to. Um, but generally you can apply to whatever you want in whatever place you want. Definitely. I would agree that if a place has already seen you, you probably don't want to apply again. Um, so one of the other questions here is kind of how you're applying in the SOAP, um, whether you need to rewrite your personal statement and things like that, especially if you're applying into other specialties. It's a really rapid turnaround, um, but it is great if you can kind of shift your personal statement towards the specialty you're applying to, because if you send a surgery personal statement to a, you know, family medicine program, it's not as great. Um, so I think if you're someone who thinks you might need to enter the SOAP, you didn't get as many interviews as you had hoped or something like that it might be worthwhile to tweak your personal statement so that it could be applicable to a lot of different specialties. Um, what do you think, Sana? Similar? Yeah, I think I absolutely agree. I mean, it will only help you if you're able to do that. I think maybe with that nervous energy between Friday and Monday, if you think there is a possibility, um, then you could just sort of maybe start to make tweaks to make it more general. I'm not saying you have to sort of reconstruct your personal statement and create a whole new one, um, but maybe just like Sarah said, make it a little bit more universal so that you have it fresh and ready to go on Monday because on Monday, your head will not be on straight. So you just want to have everything ready to go and just send it in. I wouldn't stress about getting new letters of recommendation. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just the personal statement that yeah. should change a little bit to a different specialty. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. One question that I was seeing a lot about was um, sort of people who are applying to different specialties. So like internal medicine and family medicine or radiology and radiation oncology and sort of mixing the things they apply to. The one thing I'll say is you will not know if, for example, if you rank IM1, family med2, IM3, whatever your sequence is, they will not tell you whether you matched into an internal medicine program or family medicine program until the match is over. So you uh, on that Friday. So if you put it number two, even though your number one was internal medicine, it will just say, congratulations, you matched. And so you will not know which you matched into. You'll just know that you matched. Um, and what I'll also say is that people were wondering sort of, um, what was the other question? Oh, yes. So if, if sort of mixing those has any effect on your chances of matching, and it absolutely does not, um, unless program, unless you're sort of advertising to programs like, oh, I'm not that committed to internal medicine, they have, there's absolutely no bearing on your chances of matching um, based on the sequence you put in. And similarly, for people who are asking about applying to multiple specialties in the SOAP, mm -hmm. um, you can apply to as many 
programs across as many specialties as you want in the SOAP. Your 45 programs are not limited to a specific specialty. So mm-hmm. it should really be based on what you would be the most happy doing. If there's multiple specialties in a certain area or something like that, then you should feel free to apply across. Perfect. All right. Let me see what else we have. Oh, one person asked about the couples matching um, uh, that I mentioned earlier. So in general, it depends how couple matches create their lists. So if all of the combinations are, we both match, we both match, we both match, then there will not be a scenario in which one matches and the other doesn't. However, I will say that most couples that I've spoken to end up doing, those are the top, however many, right? The best case scenario is of course that we both match, but if that doesn't happen, then I would prefer I match here and you don't match, or I match here and you don't match, or you match here and I don't match. So you can create sort of an, it's, I think couples, I've had couples who have had like a hundred permutations on their list of like what the situations could be. So that would be the only scenario. If you were to fall to number 80 or something where one person matches and the other doesn't, that would be the only case that that would happen. Um, some people have asked why there were some changes to the schedule this year because mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, so I think a, the delayed timeline was because everything was pushed back. Um, you know, application timeline interviews and interviews are going much later. And then in terms of why the soap has an extra round, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure Um, There are a much larger number of applicants this year. Um, And I think they are possibly giving more people more options to get into programs for seeing that there might be more people in the SOAP this year. But I I think it might be largely, you know, NRMP taking a guess as to what's going to happen. This is a very unpredictable year. Yeah. Perfect. Um, we also got a couple of questions about if you um, if you're in the SOAP process and none of these specialties or your specialty of choice is not available, right? So let's say you wanted to go into dermatology and there are no dermatology spots to soap into, what your options are at that point. And so unfortunately, what that if you're very, very certain that you want to pursue dermatology and that's that's it, there's nothing else the only really viable option at that point would be to reapply the next year. So you could theoretically match into a prelim medicine spot and maybe spend a year doing, doing that. Um, and then reapply in that following era cycle. But the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, if there are no spots, then your options are pretty limited. Um, and most people go through the reapplication process if that doesn't work out. Um, someone just wanted some clarification. Um, everyone does not get interviewed during the SOAP by the 45 programs you selected. Programs will collect all of the applications that came to them and they will all select the people they want to interview and then they create the rank list. Whereas the main match is really geared towards the applicants ranking and creating their preferences. The SOAP is really geared towards the programs. Yeah. Um, and their preferences. Definitely. 
All right. And we will, so I think we've got most of them. A couple of people are asking sort of generally um, more specific questions about how many interviews should I go on? How many places should I rank? What should my sort of, what, what are the numbers for certain specialties? And I would really urge all of you to just Google NRMP 2020 match data. And there's a PDF document that um, the NRMP publishes every single year. And it gives you statistics for foreign medical grads, international medical grads, US grads, with all numbers of step scores, all numbers of extracurriculars. And it tells you the average match rate and so it tells you in order to have a 95% chance of matching, you should rank X many programs. It answers all of those questions exactly. Um, so just Google NRMP 2020 match data, and that should hopefully um, give you that information. And I would say that this year, maybe you should add a couple just to be safe because sure. of the larger number of applicants um, and go from there. So I think we've hit on the majority of the questions um, today. I know that there's almost an endless amount of questions about these topics. And if you have anything specifically about your individual circumstances or um, questions that you have about the process, please feel free to reach out to us. Our, our email, our contact information is all included here below. But in general, um, I would say, Try not to stress too much about this process, you know, focus on what you can focus on at this point, which is just creating your rank list, make sure it's certified by March 3rd. And um, once that date gets closer and you actually know sort of how the, how the process is going, feel free to reach out to us at that point too, if you feel like you need further guidance. Um, but good luck and we wish you the best. Any, any other closing thoughts, Sarah? Try to stay calm. Um, we wish you the best of luck with the whole process. We're here if there's anything that you need. Uh, and we know how stressful this can be. So I hope that it goes well for all of you. All right. Good luck, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope this was helpful and that it took some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions or would like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email at hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call, if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and review us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, visit our blog, check us out on social media at medschooltutors, or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.